Welcome to Sober Conversations, and thank you for joining us today. Sober Conversations is the podcast that gets to the heart of addiction recovery by examining all the angles of the sober lifestyle and just what it means to be alive, healthy, and thriving. My name is Dr. Herbie Bell. In today's episode, number 26, is a conversation with Kitsky Hawk, author, speaker, yoga instructor, and certified yoga of recovery counselor. Here's what people are saying about Kitsky Hawk. Quote, Kitsky's experiences of addiction and recovery make her a relatable, sympathetic guide to an integrated practice that addresses the threefold aspects of addiction, body, mind, and spirit for a new experience of recovery and of physical and spiritual health. Let's get to talking to this fully integrated human being right now. Kitsuki Hawk, you are on Sober Conversations. So great to have you here. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Oh, man. I can't wait to ask you some questions with this fully integrated um, mind of yours, with your practices. And... You and I have known each other for some time. I'm so intrigued with your work. As you know, I'm my training is as a chiropractor, so I love mind-body kinds of processes. But first and foremost, will you tell us about your path, how you got here today, and how it has become sort of a healer's journey for you? Well, it's a it was a long and winding road, as was the road to my needing recovery. So I am a woman in long-term recovery from alcoholism, drug addiction. I'm the uh, adult child of an alcoholic. And in my, my life, I've had the opportunity to have what I call serial monogamy or multiple relationships with people who were also using. So I come to recovery with a lot of baggage. And uh, when I sobered up, I, I really threw myself into the arms of the people in the rooms of AA um, and uh, followed all the suggestions of a 12-step program. However, when I came to about my 16th year of uh, recovery, I had, even though I was still you know, doing all the recommended things, sponsoring, having a sponsor, going to meetings, uh, finding fellowship. Um, I uh, kind of hit um, a, a long period of feeling very disconnected. It uh, coincided with a period of time where I was becoming extremely involved in my work. And in my professional life, I was a, a CPA and I worked in accounting and finance for a large company. And they will let you show up as frequently as you wish and for as many hours as you wish uh, to get the job done. And so I would work, you know, 12, 14, 15 hours a day, go home to change and then come back. So I threw my identity into my achievements at work and depleted myself down to my very soul. Um, I was becoming a wreck. And as many of us know, emotional relapse occurs long before actual relapse. And so I would have to say that emotionally I was relapsing. I was distant. I was unavailable. I was going through all of the social um, oh, dysfunctions that, uh, that were there when I was actively drinking and using. I happened to see a yoga studio on my way home. And I, uh, for some reason, 
outside of the running or the other exercise I would dabble in, uh, I thought that yoga would offer an answer, and in fact it did. Yoga reached places that exercise does not. And I spent about six months crying on a yoga mat and, and was able to reach down a little deeper into the trauma that my life had brought me. And um, it was an epiphany. I knew that this slow, mindful, breath-based practice with the philosophy that's behind yoga of, of non-harming, non-lying, non-grasping, and many others, uh, many other uh, uh, thoughts and um, practices would uh, not not just support me, but also dovetail with my recovery. And I thought, man, this is this is the answer. This is the piece I've been missing. Well, what a relatable uh, story! Talk about getting down on our knees on a regular basis. And so you have very thoughtfully wedded these two timeless spiritual traditions and practices, yoga and the 12 steps. And so will you talk some about, as you call it, this transformational process and how important it is for uh, people in addiction recovery? Oh, I'd be so delighted. Um, I've been doing a lot of th more thinking about this because I'm going to be able to be a, a, an adjunct uh, teacher uh, over the Naroga Institute later this year, and I'll be working with a doctor speaking about this exact subject to their yoga therapy students. Did you say Naroga? Yes, I did. Wow. The Naroga Institute over in um, Oakland by B.K. Uh, B. Bose is the ED there. He's the, a theater. Am I making this up that that is wedding uh, neurology with yoga? Uh, no, that, uh, Nairopa. Oh. <laughs> is in with Colorado. This is the Nairoga with a G, which is uh, therapeutic yoga and uh, yoga that serves, as BK would put it, the changing zip code of yoga so that it isn't just an upper class, middle class uh, offering. Nice. Sorry to throw you off track there. That's quite all right. So I was going to tell you about why I think uh, yoga addresses the specific needs of people in addiction. Um, and Nikki Myers says the issues live in our tissues. Hmm. I think that what protected us and saved our lives, or let me speak specifically about myself and then generalize from there, but those skills that I learned to protect myself as I was growing up, to protect myself in the company that I sought in order to use and drink the way I wanted to, uh, those skills I used to protect me against violent and offensive and offending uh, mates um, were no longer going to serve me in a sober life. And in the rooms of recovery, we deal with the emotional and behavioral practices where we talk intellectually about our feelings. We work out intellectually using the 12 steps. Uh, and then later on, the, you can even use the 12 traditions to go through your life and find out what works with you and what works with others and to find healthier ways of expressing yourself. But deep down in my body, my body was still responding in the old ways, and I was using my intellect to override what my body was feeling. 
yoga is an opportunity to yes to connect with those feelings not necessarily with the exact story that created those feelings but with this physical sensations that are locked and trapped and because our physical system is a feedback loop you know when my stomach hurts my mind grips when my mind grips my stomach hurts so it goes both ways and i was having a lot of physical reactions to stress that were cueing unhealthy patterns in my mind i was using my phenomenal intellect and my mind and my <laughs> practiced ways of thinking about things to downplay them and to redirect my actions but i was suffering from the toxins nonetheless mm. well this this so speaks to me uh, i remember going through the steps numerous times, but but wanting to anchor them somehow. I would use Native American medicine walks and sweat lodges and, and things like that, and then all of a sudden things stuck. Is that sort of what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's, uh, it, it, it's a way to repattern even our, the physicality of our emotional traumas. Nice. Well, now you talk about this in... Uh, your website presence and in your blog, which are so wonderful and so full of heart, uh, you talk about this grounded experience, this mind-body experience on a regular basis. And I'm always so blown away because it's simply elegant when I read your posts. What, what on a daily basis, besides the obvious, I guess, inspires you uh, to find these blog posts? Well... As, as you know, you know, they're not, they're not super regular and not super frequent because I kind of do wait until I have a personal experience to write. So I wait. It's not like I'm waiting like a panther in the corner of my, my soul for some experience, but I do kind of pay attention throughout the day and, and figure out what's, what's going on that is not just a, maybe not just a personal event, but something that I've uh, relates to what I'm hearing others speak about. Um, so it's uh, more inspired by life than by introspection. Very nice uh, a relational approach. And so I want to I want to ask you this question because it has to do with this this thing that you uh, espouse and embody, and that is practice. And, uh, and that comes with yoga. It seems like people talk about their yoga practice. I, I've, um, I've hijacked that term with my surfing practice, you know, as a spiritual practice. But you have conducted, and I want to say performed, because I've had firsthand experience uh, that your class and classes are masterful. You've, you performed 1,500 classes to recovering people. And um, I think about that as it relates to my, my surfing practice, for instance, uh, that it never gets old. It always seems to be new and something uh, emergent. And I've got a feeling that's the same way for you. Can you talk about that, what practice does that way? I'm smiling here because uh, absolutely it's, and I've just, I've just hit another decade uh, in terms of birth. So I, I just turned 60. And so... Um, you know, the idea of being old or older, it, you know, comes to mind. That word has a special meaning to me now as I digest it, accept it, and, and then, of course, refute it. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so my teaching is old 
as I approach the doorway of the classroom. And time and time again, I cross through the door, roll out my mat, and look around at the curious people who are sitting there, and I am brand new. It is just, you know, I think, oh, what do I have to offer? Or, you know, I've taught 1,500 classes. You know, what else do I have to say? Or how else can I connect? You know, I become tired in my, or, you know, tired in the sense of worn in my own mind. But then I sit down and it's new. It's new to everyone who's sitting there. And I always get challenges. Uh, This week at one of the treatment centers, out of eight people, one had advanced arthritis, so arthritic pain, uh, so, you know, which can run the gamut from, you know, moderate to severe can be limiting or just experienced and and modifications need to be found. One man who had a brace on his hand and another man who was blind. Wow. So that's three out of the eight. And oh, by the way, they're all detoxing. Uh. So, (laughs) you know, you just sit there on your mat and look out at their, at their faces. Like some of them are like, oh yeah, go ahead and show me that this is going to be good. And others are eager. And, um, it's just, wow, look what I get to do today. I get to, if nothing else, breathe for five minutes, five intentional, intentional minutes. And the rest of the 55 minutes, we're going to move a little bit and we'll see. And it's just, I don't know, it's bliss. Well, I can tell you that uh, that was my experience of being in your class, that I said to myself, you know what, I want what she's having, because you, you did have that, that child's uh, mind and that uh, you know, fresh eye approach. I just loved it. And by the way, happy birthday. I resemble those remarks. 54 <laughs> was a very good year. Um, I want to um, say that you, I know that you participate in the recovery treatment community in a bunch of different ways by teaching at treatment centers and lecturing and training other yoga teachers in this process. Can you say what your take is on what's happening in addiction treatment um, these days? Well, number one, way more open to yoga than they were even five years ago. When I sent out my first little letters, um, uh, to to see if, if the treatment centers in my area would be interested in having a yoga class. You know, it was like, uh, you know, we're really not sure. You know, we'll let you have some of our free time. What is it really going to be like? And, you know, they weren't even aware that, that there was a range of teaching capacity where I actually could break people to the point that it could be, like, extremely neutral. So, uh, you know, not that the... the um, I want to say the program directors weren't really sure what was going on. Overall in the community, from the tom-toms, from the other people, other teachers, yoga teachers that I speak with, and, you know, with Nikki and Rolf Gates and Tommy Rosen and the others across the country, um, and my students, I get feedback. It's just, it's, it's treatment centers are looking for this modality. Um, they're looking for another way to keep the uh, the uh, to get this the the clients in touch with themselves so being in touch with their physical selves is now finally being seen as being an important part of a whole treatment plan i think that 
it is going to be very, very changing in the next three to five years. There's there's evidence-based studies going on, and once you have an evidence-based study with a positive result, you're going to get insurance companies that are going to be forthcoming with with funds. Um, Unfortunately, addiction is not a very sexy uh, illness, so you don't get a lot of funding, not a lot of grants for bringing uh, yoga to people in in recovery centers. The center itself has to be willing to come up with the 30 bucks an hour to uh, get a teacher in there. 30 bucks an hour is local. The high-end treatment centers will pay $175 an hour. But you know what I'm saying. It's just like whether or not they're going to do it on their own hook or not. Well, I so agree with you. I think that that is the challenge to frame it in a way that people can say uh, not only uh, are we sort of putting the closeted, uh, you know, pejorative terms of addiction and and the rest of it away, we're, we're trying to frame it with the concept of wellness and that all of us, uh, the full spectrum of our society, has to participate in these things. And motion is an essential nutrient for brain health. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I hope that uh, some of those things come along with the pitch to whoever has uh, the funds to get this thing going in a much bigger way. You know, I, I love the expression, I never metaphor I didn't like. People are probably saying, did he really say that again? And the 12 steps process, uh, in my experience, is as good a process for introspection and transformation as there is, or however else you want to describe it. It doesn't work for everybody, though. You know, we've had conversations here with Smart Recovery, and there's a, a, a bit of a uh, backlash sometimes when people hear 12 Steps and Alcoholics Anonymous. What do you say to skeptics who are leery of AA and related programs as it relates to how you teach um, your work? Um, I actually get people coming to the Y12SR meetings, the Yoga of 12-Step Recovery meetings, which I hold here in the Valley, and it starts off with a 12-step style meeting for an hour, followed by a one-hour all-levels yoga class, and that's based on the work of Nikki Myers. And um, people come there because they kind of don't want to deal with God as higher power, are not... um, uh, are not attracted to a monotheistic, what what they appear to be a monotheistically based uh, program. Uh, so they come to the the Y12SR. We take the yoga principles, which were you know originally Hindu based, but are now you know it's it's not a it, yoga is not a religion, and I do point that out. It's a spiritual practice. So we take the the ten tenets of yoga and uh, use them as a forum for discussion. So people who are avoiding AA can hear a different way of approaching the principles of any 12-step program. And and really the split in the groups is half Al-Anon and half AA or half the Anons and half the addiction. So we get gamblers, uh, sex and love addicts, as well as uh, Narcotics Anonymous and AA and their spouses in the meeting, or loved ones in the meetings. So it's a pan-recovery meeting. We use uh, philosophies to 
mirror, you know, as we do in AA. We, we talk about the steps, but then we bring up change or we bring up, we all talk about change. We talk about anger or we talk about acceptance or we talk about um, um, discipline in AA meetings. And we do that same thing in this meeting. And so sometimes it can be the gateway to a 12-step program. 12-step programs offer something that, to my knowledge, no other program offers. And that is in its design is the strong suggestion that you be of service. Being of service is a huge, huge element in developing both self-esteem and understanding that you're not alone. What a nice dialectic, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And so addiction is a disease of isolation, and service is a way of, to find integration and usefulness. So we don't have sponsors in Y12SR. You know, people help set up the chairs and, t- and put them away, but we don't have a forum for, for other types of service. We don't have central office. We don't have regional. We don't have uh, 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 H&I work. So we don't have ways to be of service. And, and the 12-step programs, all of them, offer this. Well, I think that this is just so great. You're reminding me of Greg Williams' work with the anonymous people and that that some hybrid efforts are coming forward to really honor their traditions of these of these wisdom traditions. It seems to me that yoga and the 12 steps uh, have been subjugated very often in uh, in common knowledge when in fact they're just fantastic practices and processes for taking a look at how we're taking a look at ourselves and and uh, your your wedding of these two two things is so great. And so I talked about uh, your classes being masterful earlier. Let's talk about your book, uh, Yoga and the Twelve Step Path. As I look at my copy here, can you hear it? Ah, there you go. There it is. Everything. <laughs> so uh, tell us about writing and pu- the publishing process. If anything anything comes to mind around that, um, and how people can get it because it really is fantastic or to come uh, or have you come and speak to their group or organization as is sort of a, a backdrop. Oh, well, number one, I am really passionate about this and um, uh, about this subject. And I love to talk about the material in the book and I would love to be of service in that way of speaking about the book or with the material at any time. The book kind of, came out of my, at first I desired to set up some workshops around the blending of the two, of, of yoga, the print, the philosophy of yoga, and the principles of 12-step programs. Um, and my mind just went off on a little rail that I do want to talk about now, and I will get back to your question. But I want to just say that when we talk about treatment centers and we talk about jail, I am always um, alerted to the fact that I am only bringing yoga to the addict or the alcoholic. I don't, there is no forum, no organized forum to bring yoga to the families, to the loved ones, to the children. There is, there's no um, 
no organized way to bring that, bring this healing to them outside of the Y12SR meetings. And that does make me sad. I'll bet. Because it's, it's, all, it's all parts of me that suffered. It's all parts of the family that suffered. And having tools to deal with getting well and not perpetuating habits and lifestyles that will continue choosing addicted partners, choosing uh, life situations, even employers. You can unwittingly choose yourself into having um, uh, dysfunctional employers one after the other because that's who you reverberate with, that's who you resonate with, and it's not a healthy resonance. And it's only learning your way out that you can stop that pattern. So add aside. <laughs> so I wanted to do these workshops. And it, I realized no one's going to sit still for, you know, 15, three-hour workshops. The more I wrote, the more I wrote. I did try to do a series of six workshops, and I got three people interested and um you know, then one person dropped out and we eventually met in my living room so that I didn't have to pay rent somewhere. And, um, and we had a good time, but it, it wasn't the, it, it wasn't as, as I had imagined it. But I thought the material was really important anyway. So I started writing it in book form and it just kind of came out. It took me, I'd say nine months to write it. And uh, then I went around looking for, like, well, how do you get things published? And so I talked to authors of other books that I had admired. I contacted Darren Littlejohn. I contacted Kevin Griffin. They, they're both Buddhists and wrote uh, about Buddhist in the, Buddhism in the 12 Steps. There was one book at the time uh, called Restorative Yoga in the 12 Steps, um, by a guy, I don't have it right here, John Pata I want to, it doesn't matter right now, but anyway, um, yeah, I don't see it. My bookshelf is right next to me, but I don't see it right off the bat. But anyway, it was a little, it wasn't what I was trying to say. So I called, um, I called an author and he said, you know what you do is you go look at the acknowledgement section of books that are in the store on the shelf where you want to see your book. Nice. Yeah. And then in the acknowledgement section, see what editor they thank and who their publisher was. I thought, okay. So I contacted an editor and the editor worked with me to uh, clean it up a little bit, tightened it up. And, um, uh, then uh, found an agent because I had been blind uh, submitting it to um, uh, publishers. And I found out that really looking at blind submissions is what editors give junior folks as a part of punishment if they haven't been good. So, <laughs> you know, that your a blind submission isn't going to get uh, a lot of attention. So I got a, an, a, um, an agent and within six weeks of getting the agent, I got a publisher. And within six months of finding a publisher, it hit the, the stands. So. Well, it's absolutely beautiful. I particularly like your Chapter 3, What is Addiction? And it uh, just uh, chills down my spine when I read your thoughtful way of telling us what addiction is because it can be so confusing to so many 
Um, I realize this next question is perhaps rhetorical, and you've been answering as we move along here. I loved what you said about uh, extending your work to the family, to the systemic problem that is generating a lot of uh, this addictive behavior we have in our culture. Why don't you say maybe uh, some more about what is going on in our culture with these uh, increasing addiction statistics of every kind and in every community? Um, in the, I have two things to say. I'll start with, with just the overarching. One of the things I teach in my SOAR, Success Over Addiction and Relapse, is um, ways to set out classes for the community because the majority of people who take the SOAR training are from the Al-Anon family groups and want to provide classes to either their Al-Anon groups or to provide the classes in uh, teen centers or in other places where people who are affected by alcoholism but may or may not be addicts or abusers themselves. Uh, So they can offer some healing modalities. And in fact, they're curious about this because of their own personal journeys. So one of the things that we do have to learn is how to separate our own codependency from our desire to serve. Well said. Uh, Go ahead, I'm sorry. Oh. Um, One of my teachers, Durga Leela, from the Sivananda Yoga Farm, uh, talks about our vata-deranged society. Vata is that doshic uh, characteristic of being... uh, flighty and connected, but kind of sporadically connected, very high energy, but not landing anywhere fully. So lots of things, you know, bright, shiny, you know, ooh, this, ooh, that. And um, that's among the traits of a Vata person. So it's, we're addicted to busyness. We're addicted to coffee. We're addicted to multiple things at a time rather than many things in sequence, as well as, you know, shopping, uh, you know, there was a, you know, there's debt, there's risk, you know, of any type, whether it's skydiving or, um, uh, you know, at at the dangerous edge or um, going into too much debt as a dangerous edge. It can be, you know, quite the gamut in between, Uh, but adrenaline. Um, so we have a Vata deranged society that society really endorses. We just don't endorse it when it includes hangovers or, um, or even um, crime in order to support a habit. You know, being if I'm really alert at work and doing the job of five people, my boss really loves that. When he finds out it's supported by a crack habit, not so good. <laughs> right? Not so good, that's right. So, oh, I love that. Yes, I'm sorry. That's my son Cameron calling me. He's going back to the University of Colorado Boulder today. Oh, call, yeah. you, call you later, Cam. Yeah. Hey, uh, sweetie, I'll call you later. Uh, that, that's a first on Sober Conversations. I love that. <laughs> it was a lovely ring. And I went to University of Colorado Boulder for a semester. That's right. I knew that. So you know you know what he's going back to. Yes. 
Well, I interrupted your, your train of thought. So we, we've got this culture that sort of produces this Peter Pan effect. The, in Latin, we might call it the puer aternes. Are you familiar with that term? I love that. You call it dosha. Tell me, tell me the term again, dosha characteristic. Right. The, do, the doshas, there are three doshas, and uh, they're, they're physical and emotional, spiritual characteristics. The, one of the attributes, they're vata, pitta, and kapha. And one of the, uh, among the many characteristics of vata is this um, flightiness, jumping from thing to thing with, with uh, you know, 100% passion, but very little endurance, <laughs> you know, see, oh, this, I'm going to do that, I'm going to be involved in this, but I have to do this. So, you know, you're, you're doing something that even might be, oh, here's, here's an example of vata. There are yoga classes now in LA that have a little picture of a cell phone next to the name of the class, meaning cell phones are permitted. So you can be on your cell phone texting or whatever during your yoga mat practice. Not. What is what I have to say? Right. What, what? So that is an example of a, of a vata characteristics that is now being endorsed in a certain yoga class. Go ahead, text while you're in downward facing dog. You know, don't worry about what the rest of us are doing. Don't worry about what you are doing. Yeah, talk about um, just another uh, smoking gun of addictive behavior. Oh. Well, w- what a nice thing uh, to have a one day at a time practice that you uh, do and you teach. Tell us what what your practice looks like, your personal practice. Do you uh, do yoga every day? I do yoga every day, and sometimes it's just minimal, what I call the hallway stretch. And I really count this as a yoga practice when it's done with intention. So I can walk through a doorway, raise my arms above my head, grab a hold of the doorway, and lean into the doorway. Lean in and stretch the front of my body and pull up on my lower abdominals and, and draw my shoulder blades into my back, lifting my heart, stretching my back, and then coming to upright and drop my arms down. If I do it like that, it's yogic. If I just walk through and slap the, the, the door frame with my hand, that's not yoga. So if I'm doing a hallway yoga practice, stretching the front of my body, leaning into a wall, into a wall dog, and then dropping forward and stretching the back of my calves and my heels, some days that's all I get. But if I do it with attention and intention, it's a yoga practice. I love that. Mindfulness with, uh, you know, using our bodies. It's just absolutely invigorating well, as we finish our conversation here today, will you, you've already told us about your success story. Can you tell us another success story or two of people who have worked with, with uh, what you're espousing with yoga and the 12-step path? I can tell you very little, uh, partly because the majority of my teaching is in treatment centers and in jail, and people may go away, and I never see them again. However, there are students who then show up at my Y12SR classes, and I'm so delighted to see them walk in. And uh, there's such a young lady who had been at one of the treatment centers who's now coming to um, the space on Monday nights. And she had been, so out of these 
hundreds of people whom I've seen, I see very few later, and I just have to let that go. Um, but uh, this this young lady has uh, been coming on Monday nights and has settled into a full yogic practice of her own. She is bringing into her life some compassion and forgiveness of herself for the event that caused her to be busted and uh spend time in treatment and she's still facing potential jail time and she says I'll be okay as long as I have my meditation my breathing and a place to do my yoga practice and one thing about teaching yoga in treatment centers is we teach them in a very unadorned place there are are no props there's nothing special we may or may not have enough mats so we learn how to do yoga with relatively little And that's great, because if you're going to a place with relatively little, you still have your yoga practice. Just awesome. And the exercise physiology journals are telling us that less is more. I love your your, uh, yoga in the hall and, you know, your mindfulness that, that you give to it. Well, why don't you tell people how they can find you in the world via your social media and web presence and any other contact information you'd like to provide? Okay. Um, my website is yogarecovery.com. And so that's a pretty straightforward way to get a hold of me. I have some contact tabs in there. And it kind of tells you what I'm up to. It gives, it has tabs about my schedule and my blog is on there. Um, it also tells you how to get my book, which is through Amazon or through, um, your, Here in the Santa Clara Valley, we have a recovery bookstore, and the book is available there, and it's available at Borders and Powell's, so it's kind of a, a, hopefully it's still on the shelves, Uh, and, uh, or hopefully it's not, but not, (laughs) I don't want to be remaindered, Um, and uh, my, uh, I'm on Facebook just as Keatsky Hawk, and that's K-Y. C is in cat, Z is in zebra, Y is in yak, and that is uh, probably. I think I'm the only Keatsky, but the last name is Hawk, like the bird. And um, and I tweet occasionally, and that's also Keatsky, the same spelling. Um, and I answer emails usually within 24 hours, um, and I enjoy staying in touch with people. And I do have. Uh, you know, international people, pen pals, I would say, or key pals. I don't know what you call it on the, um, the Internet, but I do have people internationally that I communicate with and well, enjoy that. And it, it, it shows, and it's contagious. By the way, your name is uh, the coolest in the western part of the Milky Way galaxy, so I just love it. Um, I want to thank you for your dedication for this wonderful work that you're bringing uh, to the world and and helping so many people find out ways how to sustain their recovery uh, and stay well one day at a time. So, Kiski, thank you. Thank you very much for today's sober conversation. Thank you. Thanks for spending the time with me. I hope to see you very soon. You will. Thank you, Kitsky, for bringing the power of ancient practice together with your experience, strength, and hope in helping so many with your work. Listeners, again, you can find Kitsky Hawk at recoveryyoga.com and find her book, Yoga and the 12-Step Path, at Amazon or check your local bookstore. She can also be found at facebook.com slash 
Kitsuki Hawk and Twitter.com slash Kitsuki Hawk. And remember, Kitsuki is spelled K-Y-C-Z-Y and is pronounced Kit like K-E-E-T and Ski like S-K-I. What a bitchin' name. Thanks again, Kitsuki, and here's to your ever-gentle encouragement and practice at just one day at a time. As ever, I'm Dr. Herbie Bell, and you can find me on the web at recoveryhealthcare.me. That's .me or facebook.com slash recoveryhealth. Thank you for listening, and do us a favor by going to iTunes and giving a rating and a review because all great beginnings start with a conversation. Here's to the next time. And in the meantime, long-term recovery equals long-term wellness. Stay well.